0: Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Like I said, we've been a a teaching and series on how to pray. My goal is to deepen my prayer life, deepen yours, and to find ourselves in prayer more. That we are leaning more on the arm of God than the arm of the flesh. That we are producing and not Ishmael. Uh, and I know sometimes, and even my own life, when I'm, I'm thinking about prayer, it's like, well, what do I pray for? This is where we're taking the series now, and it's based off of the Lord's Prayer, which is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. So let's go over there today at all of our campuses. We're going to look at Matthew, chapter 6, and we're going to read verse number 6 through verse 15. Jesus is teaching here, and he says, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room Close your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now we talked about that at Revival Night. um, That God looks at your secret life to see what he can do with your public one. Your secret life and its devotion equals power in your public one. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And when you are praying, I like this. uh, He says, don't use meaningless repetitions. It's It's like not the length of prayer that matters, as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you have need of, even before you ask him. When you pray, pray then this way, Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name." Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen." For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you of your transgressions. Um, At Revival Night, we talked about, well, what do we pray? Jesus said, one of the things you pray for is, Lord, forgive me the prayer of examination, of looking at your life and examining areas that need to be consecrated, taking that to the Lord and saying, Lord, forgive me. Jesus said, I'll tell you something else you can pray for is look at those who have hurt you, wounded you, disrupted you, um, offended you, and saying, Lord, I forgive them. Now, Jesus uh, majored on this more than any other teaching in, uh, on the, the teaching of prayer here in Matthew 6. He built that out further in the last two verses that we read. That if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly father will forgive you of yours. But if you do not forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly father will not forgive you. And that is astonishing doctrine. Now, I'm going to dive into this, but let's have a little fun with it as well. Uh, Do we have any couples in here or at any of our campuses who are competitive? Just raise your hand. Any competitive couples here today? Me, Me and my wife are competitive. We've been married 18 years, and we have found out that if we are playing a game, we have to be on the same team. The first fight, and one of the biggest fights we've ever had in the history of our marriage, was over Mario Kart. We had been married uh, like three months, and we bought a little Nintendo 64. Come on, somebody! (laughs) Nintendo 64. And we played Mario Kart, and I, I I, have never felt that kind of strife or tension in our marriage. Uh, my wife was destroying me, like literally destroying me, and I didn't feel like that was right. And so I stayed up night after night to learn the courses, learn where to go, learn how to turn, where to make the hard turn, all those kinds of things, until finally I could beat her. And when I beat her, you would have thought I just won the World Series NBA championship. She did not like my reaction, and we threw away the Nintendo 64. Uh, So we have learned that when we are playing uh, games, we need to be on the same team. And we've learned that when we do projects, we need to do projects alone, Uh, that we don't need to work together on projects. And somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? Case in point, hanging pictures. Something as simple as that, like if you have pictures that are being hung on a wall, it's like, who's doing this, me or you? Uh, because uh, out of this, it's like, it just doesn't work well. And you've got to learn those things. Like, you avoid strife. The Bible is clear on this. Like, just avoid it. Don't don't even go in that direction. And we've just learned that when we do projects with each other, we're both opinionated. So it's like, okay, like, you do it or I do it. So we had these pictures that were being hung And uh, my wife, you know, took it upon herself to to hang them, which I was thankful for. Hanging pictures is not really my thing. And so she hung the pictures. And after she hung the pictures, she asked me this question. She said, do you think they're too low? Now, I know there's no win for me in this. That if I say no, she's like, you're just saying that. Uh, But if I say yes, it's like, oh, you just always, you know, that kind of thing. So here's what what I knew I would say. And this is what I said. I said, "I I think they are... Whatever you think they are. (laughs) I think they are whatever you think they are. She's like, they're too low. I'm like, I think they are whatever you think they are. Uh, You know, that kind of thing. So competitive couples, I was thinking about that this week. And as I was thinking about that, actually looking at the pictures... I began thinking about another couple that I'm aware of that's very competitive as well. They went skiing. It's been a long time since I've been skiing. It's not something that I really enjoyed. My wife is curious in it. She's never been. And so I'm like, oh, maybe one day we'll take a ski trip. It's just so expensive. Skis, clothes, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, so uh, out of that, uh, it's not something we've done, but I did it years ago. And this couple that I know of, they go regularly. And they'll go with people, that type of thing. And uh, it was, you know, couples that went. So the guys are like going up the ski lift... And, you know, doing all the really hard slopes. So basically, a lot of these slopes, you have green, which is like beginner, blue, blue, black, black, double black, diamond, like that kind of thing. And as you go up towards those colors, it gets harder and harder and harder. So the guys are like all, you know, doing these hard ones. And this wife sees the guys going up the ski lift, kind of leaving them behind, you know, that kind of thing. And she's like, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. And she goes up the ski lift, and she's kind of following them down the hill. And they get on a course that she had never been on before, and it was going super fast. Like some of these things, you get up to a black, double black, that kind of thing. I mean, it's like you're looking straight down. I mean, you are flying down this mountain. And out of this, um, it, 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 it catches her. She wasn't anticipating how hard or challenge it would be. And she stumbles and falls, and she hears a pop. She tore her ACL. Yes. As this is where com- uh, competitive spirit will get you. Like, you, you've, got to, you've got to be careful. Uh, so, but out of this, she tore her ACL, and she told this story, and I thought it was just um, a really good point, and honestly, it's been with me the whole week. She told the story, she went in for the surgery, and when she's getting the surgery, where they're you know, doing the ACL afterwards, they tell her, You can make a full recovery. You can fully recover after this. In fact, you might even find it stronger than it was before, which that's encouraging. But the doctor told her this. To get, get, it, that, to get it to that place, you're going to have to do PT, you know, personal training. And he said the pain of the healing will be worse than the pain of the hurt. The pain of the healing will be worse than the pain of the hurt. And I don't know if you've ever rehabbed an injury like that, but what he was talking about is, it's like when you get to stretching out that ACL after it's been reattached and you get to working it out and going through the physical therapy, you're going to want to stop because the process of recovery of this, it hurts. And this week, I could not shake this in regards to what we're talking about. In life, um, you're going to be hurt by people. In fact, my greatest hurts in life have not been physical pains. It has been relational ones. Um, Where people have hurt me, disappointed me, wounded me, um, mocked me, gossiped about me, lied about me. Um, Many of you in this room have been hurt by people. And I don't mean like hurt casually. I mean deeply uh, hurt by people. And it could be a father who abused you. Or it could be a father who was never there for you. Um, It could be a friend who betrayed you. It could be someone who violated um, personal space in a way that I can't even make mention of the violation. Uh, It hurts, and no doubt it leaves an impression on every single one of us who have been hurt. God's desire for you is to not stay in that state, but to heal and to be stronger than you were before the hurt. But oftentimes, the pain of the healing is going to be worse than the pain of the hurt, because God is going to take you on a path of discipleship, whereby which you begin to love your enemies You bless those who hurt you. And you begin to pray for those who have let you down. And when you start walking down that path, it will for sure deepen your faith. But it will also challenge you like few things will. Uh, Jesus tells us explicitly that if you do not do this, um, which is hard. He says if you do not do this then your Father in heaven will not forgive you of your trespasses. Now this is bad. And let me explain to you why this is bad. All sin, whenever there is sin, especially continued in a long direction, is inviting consequence and chaos into your life. I don't care what, what it is. If you make a decision to set your face in the direction of sin without repentance, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, if you're filled with God's spirit or not, if you intentionally violate God's will and stay in the path of sin, you are inviting chaos and consequence into your life. It has always been that way. If you're David and you want to commit adultery with Bathsheba, you're inviting chaos into your life. If you're Adam and Eve and you want to eat of the apple, you're inviting chaos into your life. If you're Samson, you don't want your head out of the lap of Delilah, you're inviting chaos and consequence into your life. Now, what happens is, as we as Christians, we know this, right? We know that sin invites chaos, and so we repent. We come to the Lord and we ask for forgiveness for our transgressions. We ask for mercy for the things that we've done. That's a beautiful thing. And out of that, whenever we ask for mercy when we have sinned, Christ and his goodness comes and forgives us. And that forgiveness is not just like an emotional feeling where I'm like, thank you, Lord, for my forgiveness, but it's also grace to avoid consequence or if there is consequence in your life, that the Lord will shorten it, remove it, or fix it. So mercy washes the shame from your life. Grace fixes the consequences from the sin or protects you from them. And so when you have this forgiveness in your life, you have this mercy, but you also have grace to help in a time of need to help you fix the consequence. If if I am not coming in and allowing the hurts of what others have done to move me to a place of forgiving them, but I want to hold them accountable and make them pay for what they've done, it releases that grace from off of my life. And if I am not willing to forgive them, it paves the way where it takes that grace in a position in my life where it cannot reach me the way God wants it to. This is not a one-off. Jesus literally communicated this a lot. Check this out in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 Uh, They'll put it up on the screens for us in verse number 24. He's talking about prayer here. Therefore, I say unto you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Amazing. Like God wants to answer your prayers. But watch this next part. Whenever you stand praying, though, forgive if you have anything against anyone. So he's like, when you're praying, don't just pray for what you want. He's like, while you're praying for what you want, also pray for those who have hurt you. And somebody says, well, who? Anything. Uh, Against anyone, so that your Father who's in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. Watch this. But if you do not forgive, neither your Father in heaven will forgive you of your transgressions. This was something Jesus taught a lot. We're here in Matthew 6. Go over in Matthew chapter 5. He kind of builds out this teaching. In verse number 38... He says, but you have heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, what does that mean? It's like, ah, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And I'm going to hurt you so bad, you're going to never want to hurt me again. Like, you, you come against me, I'm going to come against you. You wound me, I'm going to wound you. You, you. you yell at me, I'm going to yell right back at you. In fact, louder. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He said, this is the way that you've heard. Now, now I, I want to emphasize this uh, to, to everybody at our churches who is a Christian. Jesus is our Lord. Um, he is not just our Savior. And we surrender our will for his. And he's about to teach us something that will heal us. This, what he's about to communicate here will heal you. But the pain of the healing oftentimes will be greater than the pain of the hurt. But what we're about to read is worth it. And he's about to give you explicit instruction of exactly what to do when you have someone who has hurt you. And watch what it is here. He says, you have heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. What? (laughs) They hit you. Okay, let them hit you again. They slapped you. Let, Let them slap you again. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let them have it. And give them your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it was said, you will love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who loves you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors, who they consider to be the worst sinners, do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, people who aren't in covenant with God, do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect or mature, as your heavenly Father is perfect and mature. Now, this is the teaching of Jesus. If you have an enemy, we do not return evil for evil. Someone hurts me, I do not hurt them. Someone judges me, I do not judge them. Someone talks about me, I do not talk about them. Someone wounds me, I do not wound them. What do I do instead? I pray for them. And it's not, Lord, break their car, their hip, their refrigerator. It is praying blessing over them. Uh, It is praying light and repentance over them. It is praying for reconciliation. If your heart doesn't want reconciliation, there's unforgiveness there. And Jesus is taking us this way because he knows it's a way that will make you stronger than you were before. But it also releases things in your life that will not be released any other way. A number of years ago, I had a situation that really hurt me. And I know this is not unfamiliar to all of you. uh, That there have been situations in your life that really hurt you. I don't know why this one really cut deep. And I was wrestling with it for, honestly, weeks. And, you know, my wife, you know, could, she she could tell. And she's like, what's going on? And I've learned not to talk about people. Because you'll see why in a minute with the verse we're about to read. Um, so she's like, what's, what's going on? I'm like nothing, but really I've got this person down in a little torture chamber in my heart and I'm just slapping them around and, and, you know, thinking about all the things I want to say to them, but can't cause I'm a pastor and you know, all of these types of things. And like, it really bothered me and I knew I needed to pray for him and I knew I needed to go the way of forgiveness. The Lord has dealt with me more about forgiveness than any other topic. You're never more like the Lord than when you're forgiving those who are hurting you. You're never more like the devil when you're accusing him. He is the accuser of the brethren. Jesus is the forgiver. And so out of this, like, I knew what I needed to do. But the Lord just one day, I think he knows where we're at and has um, empathy. Empathy he he was tempted in every point he knows what it's like to have people you love hurt you and so he's not a high priest who doesn't understand our pain and so he he came to me one day and he said Joel there is a reward you get from loving an enemy you can't get any other way now as soon as he said it i knew that scripture talks about rewards with enemies He said, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, for if you love those who hurt you, your reward will be great. But the one that he took me to is this passage of scripture in 1 Peter. Let's check this out. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. To sum it up, I love this because Peter goes on for like a long time after this, uh, which preachers do. To sum up. Watch this. All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil. Do you see the doctrine here? Like scripture after scripture. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. So it's not just like taking it. It's like, nope, you're not just going to take it. Instead, you're going to bless those who hurt you. You're going to actively be good to those, pray for them, bless them, but giving a blessing instead for you were called for the very purpose that you might, watch this, keep this up here real quick, that you might inherit a blessing. Now notice, not returning evil for evil, insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead and you will inherit a blessing. There is a blessing you get from loving an enemy you can't get any other way. And watch what that blessing is. He's going to tell us here in verse number 10. For the one who desires life, love, and to see good days must, that's the blessing by the way, that you see the desires of your life, love, and you see good days. That there's something that's in your days that you see it and you're like, that's that blessing I got from loving an enemy. That there's something in your life where it's like, it's a good day today. Why? This showed up. Well, why did it show up? You got a blessing from loving an enemy. Must keep his tongue from evil and lips from speaking guile He's like, you do not talk about the sins, mistakes, faults, failures of others. It's like, we do not do that. As Christians, we do not do that. Uh, or deceit. It keeps going here in verse number 11. He must turn away from evil and do good. Um, here's, you know, and I'll come back to this, but here's, if you can keep that on the screen, that'd be great. Here's what the enemy does in your life and mine. You've got an enemy, someone who hurts you. Now, whatever they did to you does not control your future. It's genuinely in the past. Here's what controls your future and mine, the seeds you sow today. Your future tomorrow is based off of the seeds you sow today. Do not be deceived, Paul said. God is not mocked. Whatever a man or woman sows, that's exactly what that man or woman will reap. Now here's what the enemy wants to do. And this is why Jesus says, do not do this. It's not because he's just teaching the way of the martyr and just being this victim for the rest of your life. He knows how the world works. And how the world works is seed, time, and harvest. As long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest is in the earth. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And if you have an enemy who's intentionally hurting you, wounding you, or maybe it's not even intentional, like they don't even know how badly they're hurting you, but they are. That out of that, if you stoop on their level and you begin sowing the same type of seed, what is actually controlling your future is not what the enemy did to you. What's controlling your future is your response to that by sowing the same seed in your life that they sowed in it. And it paves the way for a harvest of the seed you sowed later. So if you've got an enemy and they're hurting you, wounding you, and you in return sow blessing, what is waiting for you in your future? Blessing. If you sow mercy, what's waiting for you in your future? Mercy. But if you sow judgment, you sow bitterness, you sow destruction. You're like, I got this all in my hands and I will destroy you. You better be careful what you sow. Because whatever you sow is exactly what you will reap. And so Jesus, once again, is not being like, okay, just be like a martyr and act like it didn't hurt and just go on. He's like, no, whatever you do, do not sow bad seed. If you want to love your life and if you want to see good days and you want to see God move in your life, he's like, stop sowing bad seed and in return, when you get cursed, give blessing in return. And he says this, you must turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace. Seek peace and pursue it. Keeps going here. For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. What is the blessing, the the other blessing of forgiveness? You live underneath an open heaven. If, If you're praying and you've got unforgiveness in your heart... Heaven can't move in your life the way it wants. But when you are genuinely forgiving those who have hurt you, when you stand praying, you are forgiving. When you have made up your mind to do that, you're living underneath an open heaven. And Peter says his ears are open to your prayer, but... The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And the evil here he's talking about is not the evil they did to you. The evil here he is talking about is the evil you feel like is owed them because of what they did to you. Um, I I travel a good bit and go, uh, especially in this season, a lot into the Middle East. I feel like God has a work for me and us to do there with missionaries and whatnot. And so out of that, in this one particular country, which shall not be named, because now the world, it's, it's, it's honestly, Satan knows the end is on the horizon of time, and he's trying to keep the gospel out um, and so out of that, like if you, they tell you like countries, like don't say from the pulpit that you're going there. Cause if they hear a pastor's there, you could deny your visa or that kind of thing. So, uh, but there are countries, you know, that are there that, you know, I'm going to <laughs> And so anyway, it's like you get there and they're like, why are you here, sir? And I'm like, I'm an artist. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And before I'll go in, I'll like draw a picture on like a napkin, uh, on the, on the airplane. And I'll be like to the guy next to me, I'm like, Hey, can you buy, you know, cause I try I I'm like, can you buy this? And they're like, what? And I'm like, just give me a dollar for it. They're like, what? Just do it, please. Give me a dollar for it. And they give me a dollar for it. And so like, I'll come in, like, what are you here for? I'm like, I'm an artist. Uh, in fact, my last transaction was made on the plane. Uh, I ripped the guy off. You never believe would believe what they paid for. Uh, you know, so you, you have to come up with clever reasons to get in these countries. You, you can't just say preacher. Uh, so out of that, anyway, I, I educate myself about the countries I go into because I want to know what I'm, I'm working with in prison. And in ministry. And so uh, in the Middle East, the Crusades were there. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Crusades. I don't have a lot of time to like go into a deep uh, dive narrative of what that happened. But there was a lot, lot of killing and just, I mean, bad is bad. But a lot of it was done, ironically, in the name of the Lord, which is sad and honestly heartbreaking in so many different ways. And one of the things that I read, I don't know if it's true, but in one of the books that I read, um, they said that the crusaders, before they would go do this, they would be baptized and they'd be baptized in their armor, full, full armor. They'd be baptized for war, but the one thing that they would hold out of the water was their sword. So you're getting baptized, but with the sword out of the water. And it's like, God, you can have all of me, but my right to defend myself. You can have all of me, but my judgment upon others that I sense judgment needs to come upon. You can have all of me, but my violence. And when we are hurt, we want retaliation. We crave it. We want justice. And that drive for that moves us over into places that genuinely Satan sets as a trap to begin to take our lives in directions that they do not need to go in. And Jesus is trying to rescue us from that. What is unforgiveness? It is you can't break your attention off of what they did to you. What they said, what they did, your attention is ever on it. Um, It happened uh, an hour ago or a year ago or a month or a week ago, but your attention is there and you're mindful of what they said and you're thinking about how they treated you and you're thinking about how they left you out and your attention is on that thing. I had a business friend of mine. He's really a mentor, father figure. Um, He sat me down a couple of years ago and he talked about how in business his brother really hurt him. Like hurt him bad. And I've seen that happen a lot in families where, you know, families just hurt one another. And God's a God of family. Um, He is the father and his family, it says in Ephesians. The father and his family. And ever since Cain and Abel, Satan has been trying to make families turn on each other. And his brother, this mentor of mine, his brother hurt him uh, to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, Hurt his business, hurt his company. Got him involved in some things that just were bad. And I don't have time to tell the full story, but he was really wrestling with this because this businessman was a Christian. And he had every right in the natural to sue, had every right in the natural to defend himself. And like David in the cave, you know, with Saul there, everybody around him is saying like, do it. But he said one day the Lord dealt with him about the story where Peter came Uh, to Jesus and he used this phrase which you know the Lord knows which is why he brought it to his remembrance Peter asked Jesus this he said how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him seven times and Jesus said no seven times 70 in one day so 490 times in a day and his point is you just always forgive And this businessman said, the Lord reminded him of that. And he said, what's the chances of your brother doing what he did to you 490 times in a day? And he said, Lord, I couldn't survive that. If he did that to me more than once in a lifetime. I don't know if I could survive that. Like the angst of what it did to him, like the mental angst of of wanting retaliation and wanting to prove your point and wanting to get your word out and wanting to make it right. But the Lord said to him, he said, but how often does the thought of what he did to you come to you in a day? 490 times? And he said, Lord, at least... I think about it all the time. And the Lord told him, you've got a choice. You can let this go and let me fight your battles for you. Or you can pick up the sword and you can fight this battle yourself. But he said, remember the rest of the story. And that's where Jesus told the story about a man who owed millions and came to the Lord and said, I can't pay. And he said, you are forgiven. And the same man who, who you know, was forgiven of millions went out and found his brother who owed him 20 bucks and grabbed him by the throat and said, You will pay me. And he made him pay the consequences by handing him over to the torturers. And when the master, who is the Lord in the story, heard about it, he came and called that servant back to him. He said, You wicked servant. I forgave you of millions, and you couldn't forgive him of that. Now your life will be handed over to the torturers if you, from your heart, do not forgive those who trespass against you. And so he said he made a decision to do it. And he said every time that thought of how his brother hurt him came, which he said it was at least 490 times in a day, Every time it came to him, he prayed that prayer. Lord, forgive him. Lord, forgive him. I'm sure in his own world, he, he thought he was doing the right thing. Forgive him, Lord. And then he said he would come right back in his mind again, and he'd say, Lord, forgive him. Forgive him, Father. Forgive him, Father. He, he told me, he said, Joel, I did that for probably two weeks Just every time it'd come, that thought of what he did to me, I would pray that prayer. Lord, forgive him. Forgive him. Help me forgive him. I forgive him, Lord. Bless him. Help him. Let him be recovered. Let him find you, Jesus. He said, I would pray that prayer every time that thought would come. And he said, after about two weeks, he said, I could tell all of that unforgiveness just melted away from my heart. He said, I was free from it. I let it go. I dropped it all. He said right after that, his wife had a dream. And in the dream, she saw him and his brother on the back of a big boat. And a storm came up in the boat. And the the guy who had forgiven my mentor, one of my mentors, was sitting on the back of the boat. He was holding on and he survived the storm and went on to a beautiful, clear day. But his brother fell off and got caught in the storm and got beaten by it. And Barely lived, but his brother was able to find him weeks later and pull him back into the boat. She's seen this in a dream. And sure enough, what looked like would have a storm, the storm that they were in, looked like it could have wiped out uh, my mentor. Like it looked like from a business standpoint could have wiped him out, could have cost him everything. But he made it through that with smooth sailing. And years later, he was able to go find his brother who went through that same storm and lost everything. Family, marriage, health, everything. And pick him up, bring him back, hire him again, help him, restored him, looked after him. Because when you see through scripture, the people that God was able to use, it's, it's, It's Abraham who is forgiving Lot for taking the best land. It is David not killing Saul when he can. It is Jesus looking at every single one of his enemies and saying, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's Joseph hugging and kissing his brothers after they betrayed him. This is the way of the Lord. But if you go this way, it's not some sacrificial life that when you do it means that you are just run over by people in life. It's not this this path and way that just lets people get away with everything. In fact, I have seen it be the complete opposite. Because I have seen the harvest that people have reaped from what they've done It is more than enough, and you do not have to be a part of that harvest. Do not sow bad seed. Do not be the person who takes retaliation into your own hands. The Lord is a just God, and the seed that they sow, it will produce its own harvest too. You do not have to be a part of it. Which is why the greatest act of forgiveness was what Jesus said. It was not, I forgive them. It was Jesus said this, Father, forgive them. Lay not this sin to their charge. Because the seed that they sow demands a harvest. And I want to encourage you in your life that if you have something in your heart that has come up, what do I do? You pray. What do I pray? Lord, forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. Lord, help me walk away from this. Help me move my life from this. I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm not saying what they did was okay. But I am saying, Lord, I want to be free from it. I am saying, Lord, I don't want my hand to be on them. I am saying, Lord, I'm done fighting my battles. I'm giving you the right to fight my battles. I'm saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, let my life be removed from this hurt. Let my life be removed from this pain. Let my life be removed from this bitterness. I will not receive it in my heart or in my life. I will walk away from it. I will be free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we come before you. We love you. We honor you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that our attention will not be on what our enemies have done to us. But, Father, in the name of Jesus, we will be free from every enemy. And, Father, I thank you even the deepest hurts when it's gone the way of forgiveness yields the greatest blessing. And, Father, I thank you even for those in our campuses today who have been hurt by fathers or mothers. have been hurt by employers, hurt by friends. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that your grace comes upon each and every one of us to be people of forgiveness, to be people of mercy, to be tender-hearted. And I thank you, Lord, that as people are, it paves the way for a blessing in all of our lives, that we love our lives and we see good days, and your ears are open unto our prayers. Father, we thank you that offense and that hurt, it's not worth everything we've been praying for. That offense and that hurt, it's not worth everything we want to see you do in our lives. So Father, we forgive anyone for anything. And we say, we will not fight our own battles. But we trust ourselves into your hand. And we say, just like Jacob did, our righteousness will speak for us. Us doing the right thing, it will speak for us. Us going the way of peace, it will speak for us. Us going the way of love, it will speak for us. We thank you, Lord, for it. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.